Recording in progress. Welcome back to the Loose Head Sports Show, the number one sports show on planet Earth. Brought to you by Caffeine Gum Australia. If you don't chew Caffeine Gum Australia, fuck you. Jed Gillespie, working class man with me as always. And Mr. Jed Holloway, how are you, buddy? I'm well, thank you. Uh, best and second best Jed in, on planet Earth. What was it like for you walking back in? Were you nervous? Were you excited? Because you, you, I hope you don't mind me saying this, you, you kind of left... You, you might not have been the happiest when you left. I, yeah. I, think, that's, I think that's reasonable to say. Yeah. And then obviously coming back in, I, I know I spoke to you offline, you're pretty excited about it. But what was it? What did it feel like walking back into the joint? It was weird, man. It was weird because definitely when I left, I was like, I was quite certain and that I wouldn't be back again. And then to find myself, you know, a year and a bit later, um going back in I was quite nervous I was quite nervous about you know if things were just going to be the same and if not but as soon as I walk into the building it it just felt different you know boys are cooking barbecues and playing music out on the balcony there's photos of the history of the Tars all around the building um was that not there before was that different to before yeah yeah so it was, it was cool, man. It's 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 very exciting. Um, it's very exciting to be back, and it's it's very exciting to be part of trying to build, you know, a new culture that that DC wants to bring in. You, you know, you're familiar with him and familiar with how hard he pushes with the, uh, pushes that stuff, and um, it's it's very refreshing. Mate, I've you know, got a sorry, you go, Gillespie. Oh, no, I got a question. No, I got a no. question after. I got a serious yeah. question. No, this is a serious question as well. There's been a massive rollover, like since you left a year and a well, you said like a year and a half ago, roughly. But in terms of plays and coaches and whatnot, I mean, are there many guys left? Really? I mean, it's sort of, it's some it's somewhat a new, a completely different team from the one you left, particularly uh, on the administrative side. Yeah. Well, the whole basically the whole admin staff has been moved on or moved on themselves. Yeah. Um, the physio staff have all changed. The doctors change. The only one fucking lasting and you can't get rid of him is Terry Woodward. Um, <laughs> he's a part of the furniture in that place. And, but he, he, he does a great job. Um, but even, even the players, like the boys I'm, you know, grew up playing with like Alex Newsom, Jake Gordon, Swinner, you know, they're still there, but as you said, I reckon a good 50 or 60% of the squad is yeah, completely new. Right and then you've got young guys coming up and through who who I didn't really meet or didn't know before from Gen mm. Blue. Chubby? Mm. I was just going to say, mate, I, I, um, DC did a presentation a couple of weekends ago at this Level 3 course, and and... I know he listens to these podcasts, so and I hope so. I hope he doesn't mind me saying this. Is that I my first impression of DC was not a great one. I thought he was a good coach, um, but but I think with the country stuff, it was probably his first serious job back in professional rugby after when he was first the Waratahs coach years ago. And and my impression of him wasn't a good one to start with. But talking to him and hearing what he had to say the couple of weekends ago and, and the stuff that he's playing with the Tars, I was like quite impressed by how much he's, he's almost seemed to relax and, and to, to come into himself as a human being and, 
to be more comfortable in that kind of role. Has that been, I mean, obviously without, you know, going into, into it too much, you've had experiences in the past. Is, is that what you've seen as well coming back in? Yeah. Well, me, like, I think, he'll tell people like, openly like me and him he always rated me as a football player but the one year I had with the Eagles in 2018 we didn't go well and you know I wasn't you know I was a bit off NRC I was bouncing around positions and stuff like that so I had a bit of a attitude and this this is a, a big pro NRC show which I've been hearing all along this trip but um, yeah Mate, see his growth, and I don't know if he was always like this or what, but I think maybe the Giltinis, like winning that with the amount of experienced guys and learning from guys like that, like he was just, he seems to be ticking every single box in, in my regard, and I'm not just saying that, so he, he tries to pick me, but like, man, he's he's been so impressive since he's come into the Tars fold on every single note, like really personable, building the culture, really, really um, detailed with his footy, um, making sure, you know, there's no stone unturned and just staying on everything. Like, you know, you, you see some coaches who are out on the field, but they're never in the gym. My DC's everywhere and he's coming into the gym, checking on guys, gym scores, keeping guys accountable, um, making sure he reads out that it, uh, like when we sit down and have meetings so guys stay competitive and stay hungry. Um, it has been really impressive, mate. And it's, it's, you know, props to him because, you know, he's been waiting in the wings to try get this job and he's killing it so far in my books. I think Gillespie and I have talked about this before, but one of the, it's, I think it's one of the smartest things the Tars have done signing him because, the Waratahs should have this, this inbuilt supporter base in the shoot shield. And, and I think I can, I could definitely speak for Gillespie is that a lot of Tars supporters have been quite disillusioned in the past because of people coming in from overseas and, you know, some local players not being given an opportunity, but now they've, now they've given a guy who is, is one of our own an opportunity at the, the top job. I mean, and he well and truly deserves it. So I think that a lot of the shoot shield community is probably going to get more behind the task. And, and I think while it is a young team, and I, I think if they had continued to go the way they were going, you would have lost a lot more people, but, but I think people are going to give the Tars a chance this year. I, there's no real question in that. It's just me, just me ranting I, off the top of my head, but did, can you feel that? Can you see that? Yeah, I think so. He's homegrown mate. And he's, um, you know, he's just a straight shooter as well. And it gives like a bit of a blue collar. And Tars have been known as like the latte drinkers from Bondi and stuff like that. And and DC gives them a real blue collar mentality. And that attracts people. And seeing his progressions through the shoot shield and seeing what he's done there, I feel it'll only, you know, mend that gap between the Waratahs and club rugby a little bit and, and hopefully get a few more bums on seats. Is, is there much is there much mention like around the squad? Obviously, last year wasn't a good year. Um, do, is there talk of last year, or is it like last year's gone, or is it like we're gonna like what's the what's the approach to it? Particularly you coming in, you weren't part of it. But is it do you, is it acknowledging it? Is it ignoring it? What is it? Um, 
I think, I think I, I come in probably four weeks or five weeks into the preseason. So um, I think they went through a month of like resetting the culture or rebuilding the culture, like acknowledging last year and, you know, letting that go and then building up with something new. Um so I may have missed that piece, but since I've been in, there's been no chat of last year. It's it's just been what we can do um, moving forward and onwards and uh, upwards sort of thing. What's that? Onwards and upwards sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. Mate, I've so, been really, I was really impressed with the presentation he gave about what he's like the the actual process that he's going through to try and change the culture. I don't know if he'd want me to say it publicly, but there's at the moment there's like a lot of toughening up and there's rebuilding confidence and there's there's some some actual real thought that's gone into what you guys are doing, which I found pretty impressive. Well, it's made me think like you never really know what the perfect formula is to build a, a culture. Eh? Like, have you have you guys obviously in the coaching department have you just taken that on or have you applied any of that to because. You know, I know you talk about Broncos and beers, and I don't know if you Jed have any, but I think there is a good a good mix just as a player of like fucking hard work where you're ripping into each other, but then also learning about one another off the field as well. And it's a it's a line that's not always walked the best way, you know. It's hard. Oh, it's hard. It's hard professionally. I mean. I, I, I've found because it's, you know, it's, you, it's, it's, a, it becomes a job inevitably, you know, like it is your income. It's what you do. So some guys want to punch the ticket and like go in, train, get out of it. Like it, it's, it's a little bit harder to not make them, but for people to buy in and be like, yeah, fuck, you know, Jed, what are you about? Like where, where you're from? Where'd you play your footy? Like you are spending every day on top of each other, but you know, some guys, particularly in Sydney, like, if they're from Sydney, they punch the ticket, they get out of there. Whereas when you're overseas and you're trapped in a little town with, with people, you sort of tighten up. Um, but there, there definitely is a mix. It's probably something Eastwood uh, in sort of recent years hasn't got right. It's been too much work, not enough play. Um, well, I think I think that's probably more to do with COVID than anything because you couldn't yeah. really have the play as well. But just, just on that, Jed, remember when like you and I went through that re- relatively successful era at South apart from Gillespie knocking us over a few times, but we never worked really hard to be fair, but we, geez, we had some fun off field and, oh, and oh. We're, we're all very close. And that was the real key to, to us winning a lot of games, but, but we didn't have the hard work part. So we didn't really win when it mattered. And I, yeah. I think getting that balance between working hard, playing hard, giving a, a huge fuck about the team you're playing for, and, and that's probably the key ingredient to actually getting that inevitable, inevitable success. Like Gillespie, the teams you played in were very close friends. You're still friends with those guys today. You could tell mm. that you love playing with each other and, and playing for each other. So to yeah. me, that's, cult- that's, that's a really good culture. And at South, like we're all, all of our area are still really close Jed, because we had a lot of fun together, but we'd never worked hard in my opinion. Mate, me, me particularly when i when i asked you that, like that's what i was that's what i was thinking about like taking back to 20 2014 we like went eight and eight i think that that year we just snuck into the finals at six and then we just went on a run in the finals 
And then when in the spot when it really mattered, like I think the the lack of work that we really put in as a group um, was the most evident thing in that grand final. Um, Cause I don't, I don't know if we did it. I don't if you can remember anything, but we didn't like go into that game with any new plays. I think we were just so happy with the way we were going. We didn't want to change up too much and we were just like kind of stoked to be there. And that's one of my, I reckon one of my you know, biggest career learnings is, is cause I, I, that stings me. I still haven't watched that game back. Seeing Gillespie happy at the end of that just to this day destroys. I'm me. very, I'm very rarely happy. So you've got to give, give me something. It, I, I wasn't to know we'd go again, but it was, yeah. I think I, we, I was so young. I mean, we, me and Holloway are the same age. Chubby's forty something, but we were so young that like I didn't think about it that much at the time. Holloway, I don't know. I like we were only twenty one, so I just thought it happened all the time, um, and it didn't. That was the that was the tough thing. It did, you know. You play another 10 years and you, you don't make one or you make one more. So, Can I give you some insight to that game, which only very few people know? Chubby wouldn't even know. But building up to that week, I found me and Roach went for a drive and Roach oh, just no. left Eastwood lineouts like on the floor of his car. <laughs> I was just sitting there while he was driving, just reading it. Oh. But it, <laughs> it didn't make a difference. It didn't make any difference. But like, I thought it was mm. like going in that week. I was like, fuck, that's such a leverage. Like I've just, you know, saw his line outs, but <laughs> I couldn't understand anything it made anyway. But that's just the, the great Hugh Roach, you know. He's, I've that's been talking to, I've been talking to oh. him a bit this week. He's, he's been interesting this week. We got to get that's, him on the podcast. Oh, he'll be let on. Him when he doesn't know it's a podcast so we can see the real Q Roach because I think that, that would be unbelievable viewing. Can I, may I just peel back the curtain? So that, that was probably, back to Holloway's shoot shield point, that was probably one of the, um, that I did not know that and that is truly concerning uh, from an Eastwood perspective. Not surprising but concerning. Um, now, you probably played, in my opinion, you've, probably, you've played too much shoot shield. Um, there's no secret that when you were sort of the last couple of years at the Tars, I think you should have been fucking playing every week. Um, looking back at sort of 2013-14 now, I always look back at it and think the teams were better um, overall. I think the teams were better. But, you know, some, like, you know, uh, on the other side of the argument, it's just, you know, you always look back thinking that it was better than it was when now it's just as good. You know, what do you think the comps got standard-wise worse over time or over the last sort of 10 years? That can go to both of you. Super rugby? No, it's the shoot shield. Oh. Um, do you want me to go first? There you go. I think when, when I first started playing in 2008, you would regularly come across super rugby front rowers every week because every franchise flew back in their guys who weren't playing in super rugby that week. So you'd have a lot of super rugby level players running around. And these were in the days where professional players were only going overseas at the end of their career. So you had all the good guys still in Australia. So in my opinion, between 2008 and 2012 was probably when the competition had the highest level players there. But the standards in terms of the, the professionalism, the training, the off-field stuff has improved significantly since 2014. Not one team would have GPS their their squad in 2014, apart from maybe Sydney Uni. 
Uh, I think that might be a fair assumption. Did you guys, Jed? Do you think that's improved the rugby though? I, 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 no, I don't. I don't think the rugby's as good as it was then, but I think the standards have improved in terms of coaching and and the actual professionalism of the competition. In terms of the actual players themselves, I don't think it's as good as it was. It came up. It came up on an NRC bus trip uh, around 2000. Uh, the comp we don't name uh, around 2017, and someone said, "Mate, City Uni 2011 would put a hundred points on the team that won that year." And the young guys were horrifically offended. And, I agree with that. But I, I don't think it's. I don't think you can deny that, really. I mean, it's all contextual. What you said is true. Like, we train more now. Fuck, if we trained three nights in 2014, I would have had a heart attack. Some oh, they would have been guys, hell to pay. Mate, some of the old guys, including Butcher, if he, he doesn't listen, but if he did listen, mm-hmm. he would have fucking rolling over in his Daddy in the Dark episode. But, you know, now it's that's what's expected. You've got to do the off-field stuff. You're cutting up lots of film. That side has got better. I just don't think the cattle is what it was. People are just shooting off. Um, to get a quick yen or to get a quick fucking euro, and that's just the way it is. I think I think that's more of the issue than the standard. I think you know people are seeing that not everyone wants to play for the Tars anymore. Not everyone wants to follow that path and really stick it out and shoot shield to try and make the the Tars or whatever other club. I think there's opportunities arising in Japan or or overseas where major league. Yeah, major league exactly Friends. where guys can go make you know decent rugby and oh sorry decent money rugby, um, and they they take that opportunity. Like I was talking to Raboni about it the other day, Chub. Yeah, like he he didn't really get many offers, and he got a really good offer in Japan to set up his family and to look after all of them, and you know. It, one of my biggest career regrets is around like 2014 and I talked to Hoyles and I wasn't really getting picked, but I was playing well at shoot shield level. He's like, mate, you should just go overseas for a couple of years, get in front in life, come back 26 and then like get back in the system. Like he's like, cause you'll be able to do it. And I'm like, looking back now, like it would have been nice in hindsight. Mm. Um, but it's fuck. It's fucking hard to look back in like that. I I recall being in a meeting uh, during my cup of coffee in Melbourne, and your name was in a folder down there. Were you chatting with them for a while? I was chatting with them. Was that during Tony McGann? Was that around that time? Correct. Yeah. So I was close. Twenty end of twenty fifteen, I think it was. Yeah, like, we, I was literally in a meeting. Um, probably being sacked and your your there was a little jet holloway folder on on the desktop and i thought i know that person <laughs> yeah so i was after basically you know check checks last year i was off contract as well and it was i was like really close to signing with the melbourne rebels um i basically was sitting down with daryl gibson to tell him that i wasn't going to stay at the tars anymore and then we just had a really good open heart-to-heart chat and then um, I ended up staying at the Tars. And it was that, that next year is when I had my really good year in 2016. So, um, yeah, what could have been, eh? Yeah. I've I got a follow-up then. What, like, obviously, 
life's changed a bit since well, I last saw you. You've been you got a family now. Things are things are different. Um, what what was the sort of what was the motivation to come back to the Tars? Is it is it a is it a gold jersey or is it is it being closer to your family? I know like you've been away, you're a big family guy. What's you know, what's the go? It's a good question. Um, as much as I want to say like it's playing for the Wallabies, in some regard, I feel like that's not a possibility just because of my age. Um, but what really motivates me is I wasn't happy with the way I left the, the Tars. Um, you know, reflecting back on it and stuff like that, I left quite bitterly and um, my mum's message on Facebook and all, she's all that. By the, she's banned from the Waratahs <laughs> account, yeah. Yeah, but all that all that crap that, that sort of transpired throughout that period and it's not how I wanted to be seen leaving that place because you know I played this and be my ninth year there now and um and I think going to Japan and you know as you mentioned the culture that can be possibly built at a place like the Tars like we're, we had such a good foreigners group there and we had some like big names in our crew with us, but like, we just got so tight and got around each other and stuff like that. And me and Hoops had long chats. It's like, how can we develop this culture in Sydney? And Sydney's a fucking busy place. Like everyone's got schoolmates and everyone yeah, wants that's, that's, living their own big. life. So it's, so it's like that challenge kind of got put in my head and, and me and him had long discussions about that. Then he asked me the question if I'd ever come back and I was like, I would, but I, I don't think it's a possibility. I, I think I burnt that bridge. Um, and then when it come to fruition, I, come, I was like, fuck, radio. Um, once it was a real possibility. Because MLR, like my Mrs. American, yeah. um, you know, staying there with her family as well, like that that would, would have been a, a real possibility as well. But I think the option to come home and and, you know, try build something new with DC um, is a really exciting prospect. Yeah. Was it, yeah. Go, no, go Shabby. Otherwise, I'll what, what was it like? What was it like meeting your daughter for the first time? It was one of the coolest feelings, but also I was so nervous <laughs> because I didn't know how to hold a baby or talk <laughs> to a baby or anything because like, when you first hold a baby for the first time, you're like, you don't know what to say to it. Now, now with her, it's just like I'd sit there talking to her all day. But when you first do it, you're just sitting there looking at her, just going like, how the hell is this thing mine? Like, how did I create this? And it's a it's a weird feeling, but one of one of the most fulfilling things for sure. Well, I, I was saying to Kate when Kaylee posted that video, which is fucking great video, by the way. But you, you've had a really weird experience. Like you were in Japan. Were you on FaceTime while the whole thing happened? <laughs> so um, I got a message at eight o'clock last night saying my water's broken and stuff. So I started to freak out. And then so I start calling my parents and like, nothing will happen for 24 hours. Go back to sleep. And I'm How like, could you fucking sleep after that? Fucking no chance <laughs> that I'm sleeping now. No way. Uh, so I, I, I think I actually got into some of your caffeine gum and was like, I'm just going to ride this thing out. And 
this had a caffeine gun, had a caffeine gun bender. Anyway, I was going back and forth with um, with Kaylee and stuff like that. And when shit starts happening at the hospital, I start talking to her mum, and her mum's like, "Oh, I'll Facetime you in and stuff like that." But the doctors are stressing, and I'm like, "Just honestly, just make sure Kaylee's looked after and Facetime me as soon as you can." Anyway, I just get a message like at 4 a.m. We have a baby. I was like what the fuck like it kind of went quiet there for a little bit and then once i started facetiming and again it was it was a crazy experience but what did you do like if like because you're on your own in in japan you just had like a huge event in your life and like did you have a beer like what was did you go to training like what was what was going through your head then well i was in because i went to I got injured in Japan and then I was lucky enough. My company let me go to America for a week. Right. So I, um, it was like a month before, wasn't it? Cause I, yeah, I'd missed the whole pregnancy. Right. And so I was like, I need to go. I need to go see her just to whatever. And then flew to America. We hung out. Um, she's like, it's not coming for another month. So I was like, all right, we've got a month. We can do this radio. I'll be back you know, miss a week of whatever. Anyway, while I'm in quarantine in Japan, I get that message. So I, even if I could yeah. go anywhere, I couldn't. Like, Yeah, you're, you're, so you're fucked. You're fucked. I, I, was, I was locked down and I had a feeling like I'm like, this is fucking going to happen. I'm going to get back to Japan. And I'm going to be stuck there. And when something will happen, like I can't go anywhere. Um, so, yeah, I, I think maybe I just, I think I'd, enjoyed something but drinking you sit there and have a beer and then you're like mad i'm by myself what am i going to do now <laughs> um but that was like the biggest cabin fever because i did want to go celebrate and i did want to go out and do some things but i just couldn't because i didn't want to get in trouble already yeah. done four bouts of isolation before that so i didn't want to do any more <laughs> Mate, that is i reckon that would be a crazy life experience man like yeah. particularly the last year of your life, having COVID, everything that's gone on in between, I, I can only imagine that that's been crazy. Yeah, man. Me, me and Katie talk about it all the time, just how, how wild the last year and a bit of our lives are. Like getting married, then her going to America a week after we get married, then you know her getting basically locked out of Japan and unable to come over and going through pregnancy by herself. Like... She's a she's a tough one for sure, and it's definitely definitely hasn't been the smoothest of rides. But hopefully, a bit of stability and stuff like that will bring better things. Gillespie, something. Well, I'm taking it in. This is foreign. This is foreign to me, and it's foreign I know, to you. It's, it's like deep stuff. It's not not stuff we usually. No, I understand deep stuff. I think deeply, regularly. I have a I have a rugby, I have another rugby question. As much Go as on. I talk about. 2010, we're in the same schoolboys team. Yes. Uh, that was a lot of fun. I, the question's not related to that. I just wanted to point that out. I used to be good. Fuck you. Um, do you remember, so, um, sorry, do you remember gambling in Samoa? Like yeah. when, we, when we went to Samoa, we, you're telling the story about when you got punched in the head. I think I was playing blindside flank when that happened. That yeah. was fucking hilarious. Well, sort of. Look, I wish, the, I, saw, wish I saw that. We, we, uh, we, we played this form of poker all. Samoa. Look, there, there wasn't much to do with Samoa. 
shout out to my Samoan friends, but look, there's not a lot happening there. Um, so we started gambling heavily, of course. Uh, we, as a team, then people were accruing debts. Steve Cummins might have accrued one. I don't know. Uh, and then the manager would have to drive them into town to an ATM to pull out, <laughs> to pull out 40 billion Tala to pay off the debt they lost. So we were banned from gambling by the end of that week, but it was fun. Now, that wasn't the point. The point was around 2012, you, your, you changed. Your whole body type changed, speed changed, strength changed. What, what went on there? I mean, you were, you're a second rower on Schoolboys Tour, genuine second yeah. rower, not overly fast, good ball skills. But then 2012, 13, you were the fastest man on the fucking planet. So I seem to remember you being gym partners with John Ulugia. Yeah. Did that? What, what was the what was the crossover there? Because something you drank some sort of fucking water and became superhuman. <laughs> Look, honestly, like before that, I never lifted weights until because I was fucking in Yamba, man. I never made a rep team until I was seventeen, and then I got told. If you're going to make Australian schoolboys, like you got potential, you need to be in Sydney. So I went to Waverley for three terms. Um, they were right. And then ended up making, you know, the Australian schoolboys team. But like, so I had a lot of physical development to go. And then um, living with fucking Gibbo and stuff like that, like those psychopaths, like love to squat and do everything. So um we used to just train like fuck we had nothing on like we're just i can't even remember what i was doing at that age but we just used to lift all the time every afternoon just go go in the gym and lift weights and then we played colts and then once i got signed then we we're lifting with johnny illusion and like stuff like that and just pushing ourselves um but honestly I, I just seriously think i just had a lot of physical development to go um yeah and you're and a bit older. Hit, yeah, I didn't hit puberty till I was like 17, which is crazy. Yeah, I, I was like I was like 11. So that's why I did mine in reverse. <laughs> but I just remember being in, I was in the academy one year after you and you'd sort yeah. of gone up and you were just like, you had the fucking squat record and stuff. And I was like, what on earth is going on here? What have I missed? <laughs> like I'd had, a, I'd had a schooner and missed you becoming the strongest man alive. And all of a sudden you were really, really fast. Like... Was it nice to be fast all of a sudden? Had to have been. Yeah, seriously. It was nice to be fast for sure. But yeah, I just think, fuck, like, I don't know. Like, they talk about farm strength and stuff like that. Like, it was literally like the deadlift record and stuff like that. I was, what I hated when I first went to the Tars, like, they wanted to bring the young guys through slowly. And because I'd been squatting with Gibbo and they like to throw a bit on the barbell back then they did. But they had me on like 80 kilos squat for 10 reps. I'm like, this is fucking bullshit. I can go more and lose you in that. We're doing like 140 for 10 reps. So then one day I just jumped in with them and SNC was like, oh, you got a bit of strength. And they used to do like these strongman things. And um, so after the session, they do deadlifts. And I just walked in and jumped on the deadlift. I think it was like 220 on the bar. And I ended up doing like six reps. And he's like, where the fuck has this come from? I'm like, honestly, don't know. It's just something that I just can do. <laughs> but I've Your got body, no upper body strength. My upper body is a fucking 
Yeah, right. uh, yeah. You've had a few shoulder injuries, but like your body fucking changed in like that when that task thing kicked off. It yeah, fucking that, changed. That two year period, I reckon I went from I was about like 98 kilos to 112, 111 kilos. It was fucking insane. And then all of a sudden you were popping up at Shoot Shield. Yeah. Smoking people running sort of 60, 70. And I was like, I need a DNA test on this guy because it's not the same person I went on school with. It's a different guy. <laughs> yeah. Start training with, you start training with John Lugia, you're going to get strong pretty quickly, to be fair. He was a fucking animal. He's a gun, man. He was he a good was. player. He's fucking so scary. You got time for some fan questions, Jeb? Yeah, Chubby, also, just on that. Do you remember how fucking strong Tetra was? He's still, like, squatting 200, like, ass to grass, like, and he's fucking 33, 34 years of age. Hey, when he when he first came into the shoot shield, fuck, he was terrifying. But when you, I'd, I'd argue if you got John Loser at hooker, Sidalecki Tamani in the second row, Kane Doug, you know. Big pack. Yeah, he, he was good anyway, but you had those guys to it. And oh, you're I remember killing people. Pitch. Tetra as a young man was particularly strong, man. Like he sort of changed. Obviously, everyone changes over time, um, but he was. I just remember his legs and his arms, and he, he was. So, I remember all the stories about him and the Tars putting up kilos. Um, mm. So I just fucking. I saw him do like a two forty front squat, like perfectly. Once I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> "You and I are not the same, brother." Nah, <laughs> different, different humans, bro. I love the fact that he's still playing. He's one of the greatest humans. On planet Earth, I reckon. He is. Question for you both. From a Mr. T. Cummins. Maybe you can sit this one out if you want, Jeb. Can you and Jed discuss how prevalent are PEDs in high-grade club rugby? Might be a stupid question. I was just interested. No, it's not stupid. I think it's... I reckon the test... I reckon Asada have been to Eastwood eight times in 11 years, maybe. Probably less. Um, I'd say it's... I reckon it's probably more prevalent among lower graders. Uh, from Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> well, maybe not PEDs. No, maybe not PEDs. No, I'm talking about PEDs. I mean, there was one particular person who... I hope we're on the same page here. Got a ban from a club this side of the bridge um, for PEDs, playing first grade. Um, but... In general, I'd say it's not super common at first grade. I, it's more common sort of the guys who are playing socially and trying to get really jacked. Um, but Holloway, I think it's you, rarer you, that... Yeah, no, go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, I think it's rarer than it's common. Oh, it's rarer than it's common. I think the like Holloway will be able to attest. I was sort of never there enough. Um, how much you get tested, like... In Australia, you we get tested. And, and what's the process, Jed? I've never been drug tested before. Right, you'd be you'd be stupid to try PEDs or whatever steroids and be a professional player. You're gonna get you're gonna get caught. Like it's just plain and simple. But um, in terms of process, like I, you turn up one day and they're all there and they've either got your photo, or got your name on a list, or or mm. or they don't. Mm. There's no getting around it. Yeah, they follow they follow you in every part of the everywhere you go for the rest of the day. They sit there and follow you until you need to piss, and 
they sit there when you piss, they sit there and watch it come out. Yeah, it's um, really it's really hard to go to the toilet when they're doing it. And they're really <laughs> they're all old. Why doesn't anyone young do it? Um I've, I've got a great story about a former wallaby just before you go, Jed, who was he got um he got on the list one night, uh Mr. Whatever, your your we need a sample. So he followed the guy around all night and he just refused to, to take a piss. He was, but apparently he was like pissing in the shower. The guy was watching him. He, he went and took a shit. The guy was watching him. <laughs> he did it all on purpose to say this guy had to watch him do all that stuff. That's um, a very, but, very strange way to do that. Oh, look, I, I'll just well, you got to amuse yourself somehow, don't you? I'll but just go. add the best players always got tested the most, particularly at the, uh, the tournament that shouldn't be remain nameless. Um, Holloway, Rochi, these guys got tested. Every, I remember Rochi writing a letter to, to Asada or whoever because he was getting <laughs> tested so much. They got tested. I've been, I was tested once in 10 years. That gives you an indicator of the, of the performance gap here. Holloway was getting <laughs> tested every game, every fucking game. And I was never tested, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, this one's quite a common question for Mr. Holloway, and it's come from several players at the Waratahs, and it's to do with what's wrong with his toes? That's one of the questions. Does he have the <laughs> ugliest feet in Super Rugby? That's another one, and there's a couple of others along similar lines. So we throw them under the bus? It's Tane, Edmund, and Carlo. Tizano. Oh, look. I've got Tane's got massive issues, so we can Tane, put him Tane, bro, Tane, he's got issues. The kid, Jed. So does Carlos. <laughs> Carlo, Carlo, definitely. Tane, I, I actually like him. I think he's quite a good character, but he's he's got some interesting stories about about you, Jed. As a, he's got some big raps on you as a coach, which is oh. quite. Quite uh well that's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> we need you to drug to... test him. Yeah, that's we'll be cutting that out of the show. <laughs> he says um, he wants to get to pick for Eastwood this year. Well, are you gonna uh, respond that's to the allegations nice. about your feet? My feet? Mate, I can't say whether they are <laughs> the ugliest feet in super rugby or not, but I I'll admit that I have some pretty fucking horrendous looking feet. Um, top ten, top ten. I reckon. Although Wycliffe Palu had some of the most minging feet that I've seen. Um, his trotters think, weren't. <laughs> yeah, his, his trotters. But like, you play rugby for as long as us, you wear boots all the time and they get fucking trodden on. Mm. They just continually fall off and they don't grow back the same every time, which is disgusting. What happened to my hair? Exactly. Yeah. Your poor feet, Gillespie, having to carry your body around. Um, Mr. Ruan Henry, big fan of the show, another great human being, goes, what does he think of guys shoulder charging in non-contact training days? <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone well, we, we, young. Yes. Go on. What, what do you think has happened there? I think one of the young whippersnappers has uh, too eager. whippersnapped his way to pissing off all the senior players, if I had to guess. Oh, well, it's like we have a big emphasis on contact days. So like our Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, Friday are big contact days. And then the other is like around speed and detail and stuff like that. We're, we're going through like our goal line kickoff strategy and a player is just getting it kicked to consistently is trying to run it back 
and it's two like it's bodies in front, not two ended touch. Anyway, one player gets angry. One young player gets angry that he's running through the line every time. Which there is always that guy who does like get tagged or get bodies in front, and continue to run five meters. I didn't think he was doing that, but he thought he was doing that. He lines him up rugby league style, no mm. arm technique or anything, like just blatant shoulder charge. And then I just walked over to him, like, what the fuck are you thinking? That's a yellow card. And then he come back at me. And I'm like, it's just a dumb play. Like, just fucking think about it. Was this so last what, week? Was I there chirping. for that? Maybe, yeah. I think you yeah, were. Look, I think, but I was, I think I was there for that. I know exactly what was happening. Uh, the guy was charging. Uh, he was, he was taking in his stride, but it was part of the duel. And I hate to be like a Confucius fucking character, but that's why you need senior players like yourself to be like, mate, can you put your shoulder away, Shane Webke, for a second, please? And he'll probably be pissed off for the second, but later on he'll be like... Oh, yeah, he's sweet after. But it's just like, in this day and age, with fucking the amount of cards that get handed out, if we do that, we're just going to get yellow carded every game. So I was just highlighting the fact that that was the case and with a bit more of a spray in it. But at the end of the day, it's all just a bit of fun at training and... You fuck around a fair bit, and um, you got to find a way to enjoy these things, you know. And I got picked on when I was a young kid, and I like to do it a little bit now as well. Hundred uh, percent. Hey, Jed, I've actually got a question on. for you because yeah, oh no. When you know, when you asked if me and Carlo Tizano actually like each other or not, what what was evident there? Because I talked to him about it, he's like, we weren't even bad yesterday. When when you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Someone you were doing um, after training finished, training then didn't finish. Um, and you were absolutely deleting each other on the tackle bags. And he, he, got, he got torched by someone. I don't know who it was, which is a bad sign. Um, and then you were like, get out into your color, you fucking dog, or something like that. And I went, what's going on here? Oh, I was very confused. I was just trying to figure it out. Have you met him personally? No. He is one. He's crazy, but in a good way. I used to say, for the two weeks I stayed at Melbourne in 2018, he was my roommate. We were living in a church, some random uh, Fijian church together. And uh, I think that's a good way of saying it. He's a good human being. I've got a lot of time for him, but he's a nutbag as well. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a good way of saying it. He wants to be an MMA fighter. And every time I post something about jujitsu, he's like, let's spar, let's spar. I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm sparring you. Yeah. <laughs> um, a Mr. Holman 999 asks, oh, fuck. <laughs> do you miss 314 Port Hacking Road? And what's the best lesson you learned from the culture in Japan? Not a bad question. He's followed up a, a, a layup bad question with a very good question. Duncan, as you know, those early South days, if some rental properties that Southern Districts put boys in, if those walls could talk, oh, the stories that they would tell. Like it would be crazy. I saw uh, some things there. I'm sure. I imagine you'd spend a lot more time there than me. But fuck. Maybe, maybe we do cut that bit out. But <laughs> it, it's that that time was a, a wild part of our journey as as people for sure. Um, and so was Japan. Japan was a. a a part of my journey more 
responsible than those younger days at 314 Port Haddock, Hacking Road. Those those days were purely led by, mate, speaking of Holman 999 and um, Gibbo, one, one day there, um, hit, they both got into a punch on where, like, I think one of them pulled a knife on the other one. And me and Richard, the other guy living there, was like, we got to get out of here. Um, so we left. Anyway, we got back. One of the cars was gone. So I'm like, something bad's happened here and they've just, one's fled or something. We walk into the house, no one's there. Call up Gibbo and Gibbo, we're like, where are you? And he's like, I'm at breakfast. Oh, with who? And he's like, oh, Jake. I'm like, what the fuck? You just pulled a knife on him. Like, just, and now you're sitting at breakfast together. It's just like, those days were just, they made no sense. I thought you were going to start. I thought you were going to tell the story about Alex chasing him down the street. Do you know oh, that one? No, I do not know that one. Oh, we, we can't tell that story. But there, um, <laughs> you could do you could do a whole podcast series on Alex Gibbons' stories. The the man is a special human being. This question comes from a Mister C Nay, and it's quite a serious question. So uh, I hope that's okay. Twenty one cards were given across autumn nations. Seventeen to Southern Hemisphere teams. Do you think the referees are, gen- are generally biased or are not as dialed in on the rules here so when we travel, our, expe- our expectations dif- are different to how they officiate? It's for both here. Do you think they referee the game differently here than they do in Europe? Yes. Definitely. If you've watched those French referees trot around in the top 14, man, they'll, they'll do their little adjudication. And then they'll go to the thing and anyone who's touched anyone gets a cut. Uh, I think they're more conservative the way they play. Uh, so you don't think, think that, re- you don't think refs are biased? You tend to be a little bit of a conspiracy theorist with these kinds of things. They're, I don't think they're biased. I think the laws are all fucked. But I don't think they're biased necessarily. There's been awful... The Wallabies, I will say, have been particularly unlucky on the cards they've copped slash not copped. But... Apologies. Tinder uh, going off. That was um, Grinder Gibson. Um, yeah, no. Look, but the I don't think it's I don't think it's a bias at all. It's just it's just the way that it's like Holloway said before. It's like it was easy to get a card five years ago. Now I think you can genuinely not know what you get a card for. I think we're at that point where like Jed could clean someone out in a ruck and they'll slow it down and send him off. So I don't think it's a bias thing. I think that. I guess, are you guys adapting to that at training, Jed? Like, are you guys getting across that? Yeah, there's definitely areas of the game which you need to be more cautious than you used to. Like, cleaning a guy out. Um, when Czech was first in, he was just like, if someone was laying in the way, fucking smash him. If you hit a guy off the ball now, you're going to get a yellow card or there's going to be a consequence for some of that. So, like, the detail that goes into your breakdown technique and stuff like that. Even even with Crony, you'd be like, stick your head. If they got a pilfering the ball, stick your head under their head and pop it out. If you do that, if you go head to head or anything like that, you're going to get a yellow card. Mm. Even if they've got poor technique and they've got their head up, if anything touches, you know, another person's head, it's going to be a red, uh, yellow or red card. So, Jed, how if someone's got a good position on ball, you got a guy who's cleaning, who's on ball really, really well. How the fuck are you meant to clean him out? It's it's hard to say, but the old crock roll, I think, is the best technique. Not, I thought so that was it. super illegal. 
hit them side on and then square up as you as hit long them. as you don't as long as you don't get their head. Can yeah, you the, hit the, stri- can you hit them straight in the spine, or is that a, is that dirty as well? Like, what's the where does you draw the line? How the fuck do you clean someone out? Yeah, it's a good question, isn't it? It's a great question. You're asking the wrong bloke. Well, well, we're coaches, Jed. We should, we're coaches, Jed. We should probably know. <laughs> Under my regime, there will be no rocks. <laughs> All right. We've nearly soaked up an hour of Mr. Holloway's time. Anything else, Jed, either way, questions for us, statements, anything? You Are you playing golf today or something? Me? Yeah, you're wearing a I'm just running, running a bit low on my T-shirts. I just did the washing for the week, you know. Went down the ear for mum's. For mum's 60th over the weekend, and it was so I had a bit of washing to catch up on. Definitely <laughs> my my favorite person banned by the Waratahs Facebook page. So happy birthday to her. Um, I got one final question. I you said it's you're somewhat not thinking about it. Have you have you ruled out the gold jersey completely? Because I haven't I haven't ruled it out for you. No, um, it's, 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 it's definitely not something that I've ruled out. I'm just saying I, it's not at the forefront of my mind. You know, I'm excited about getting back here, excited to try playing my best footy. Um, and I know, I know if I play my best footy, it's, it's something that can be well in the picture, no doubt. Um, just say the likely, likeliness of it with like it being such a young squad and, um, it's just not something I'm going to hang, yeah. you know, yeah. all my fucking things on, you know. It's, it's it's not going to determine if I – it's not going to determine my success of returning is, is if I get a gold jersey or not. It's the other things like building a culture and the success of the Tars. That's going to determine whether this return has been successful or not. Yeah, if you look, if you hang your, if you hang your hat on someone waiting for someone to pick you, you're going to have a, you're going to have a sad career whether, at any level. So – I think that's a fucking yeah. good way to look at it, man. Yeah. Well, yes, something that took me a long time to work out, and I've really only worked it out when I started coaching, is you see a lot of players who are just outcome-based, like they want to be in first grade, they want to play super rugby, and then yeah. when they don't get it, they just cave in, whereas the way you're attacking it's a lot more mature and smart way. Well, something that Cronny sort of ingrained into us over there is just be process-driven over outcome. Um, yeah. because you can't always control the outcome, but you can control your process and your own way of d- doing things. And I think, you know, it's something throughout my whole career, I was always very outcome-based and, you know, it didn't always go to plan. And when it didn't go to plan, I, I faltered sometimes. And um, now it's just like being consistent in my process and, and try doing that as best as I can. Where are you living yeah. at the moment? Very meadow, mate. Where's, the, where's Down that? Wollongong. Down in Wollongong. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice enough distance away from Cronulla and all the, the craziness going on up here. That's that's one thing that was definitely discussed is like, I'm excited to go see the boys and like rip in, but I'm like, if it's every weekend and stuff like that, it's just, Cronulla is a crazy place. There's a lot of Thursday nights lately. <laughs> it's, it's the old go out for dinner, get home at 3 a.m. trick. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to do it we'll have to do it soon but we definitely will so you're playing a game definitely. next week is that right yeah, yeah we've got an internal we've got an internal trial and then we've got a trial against the rebels and then we've got christmas break and then we're basically after that christmas break we're into it 
So you got an interesting thing where you play in a couple of the club teams. Is is that right? Pretty sure you're playing like uh, Newcastle and maybe West Harbour in a joint trial, like half oh, a game, yeah, half probably. a game. Yeah. And then there's like a best of at the end of that or like a training session or something. Yeah. Is there no the Shoot Shield superstars? Did that fall through or whatever it is? Nah, th- that fell it's through. through mate. Okay. I, will, I, I do have one request. If uh, somehow Michael Isley does get on the field in that Rebels game, would you be able to choke the life out of him by any chance? <laughs> Mate, yes, he's he's an, <laughs> he's one of the rare. What is with Eastwood and rare forwards in particular? I, I agree. Well, unfortunately, they've all they're all younger than me, and they've all had to live under my rareness as well. So <laughs> well, you've Michael, attracted a I'm, new bunch of them as well, just recently. I'm no comment, but Michael has been su- suckling on my teeth for many years now. Mate, he's finally he, spread his own wings. He's another forward who's fucking fast, man. He's good. He's very, he's very fast, and he played third fifteen at school, sixteen east. So he's a he's not not quite not quite your journey, but something a little bit similar. Developed late. One of my most fondest recent Eastwood memories is uh, he was talking a big game to me on Instagram before, and you guys pumped us. It was in 2019, and then I chipped and chased him at, at Eastwood. I don't know if you remember it but he would definitely unfortunately it's not the only time he chipped and chased a side <laughs> that i played in um my my probably my most vivid memory is you absolutely torching mick snowden and that being a very sad time for eastwood in general <laughs> there's definitely been some great eastwood southern districts battles oh at, no ridiculous we, we seem to win the ones that didn't matter and you guys won the ones that did matter Exactly. Oh, I remember Holloway coming up to it in that major semi or maybe the one before the major semi. And it was like 21 nil. And you fucking said something to me on the way past. And I was like, oh, no. We're fucked. We didn't even land a punch two weeks later. Yeah. You know, you know. I remember well, after that uni game, Jed, remember how, I think it was it uh, Geordie? No, who was it? It was Volleyball no, kicked it at the bell. I remember exactly where I was standing and how I was feeling. And I remember it was maybe 1 a.m. might have been in 2230 standing next to Tim Metzer that Sunday celebrating, of course. And I think looking back now, that's probably where we lost that game. We played played the grand final and celebrated like we won. We're happy to make the grand final. It's such a a cliche to say like a team's play the grand final, but... Like we we weren't out on the piss, unfortunately. Like nothing had happened. And when I saw you guys, when that when that fucking kick went over in an epic match, great to see Uni out. There was that feeling where it's like fuck, it's gonna be hard to get up that big twice in a row. It's yeah. gonna be fucking hard, man. Yeah. All right, well, I gotta go. No, Catch you, buddy. Thank, thank you very much, mate. No worries. Thank you, guys. It was fun. We'll see you soon, mate. Who root? Catch ya, Chubby. Chubby, Yo. Can, um, given how fucking actually good that podcast was, definitely cut out my bit from the start. Hold on one sec. Um, I'll just...